one. Blog Talk Radio. Radio is live on the air. Welcome to the February 7th edition of Rebel Guard Radio. I am your host for the evening, KZ, and yes, I am back from the dead. Uh, tonight's episode is brought to you by our sponsor, WrestleWarehouse.com. Uh, for all your wrestling DVD, lucha masks, CDs, T-shirts, all kinds of different swag, they're the place for you. On the line, I have my co-host, who I thought was not going to be on, but I do have him on the line, Alex Saint. What's going on, Alex? OVW Van Drop sucks. Well, you know, it really blows. But uh, <laughs> I do have uh, Brad Stucy on the line from North Carolina. What's going on, Bradley? Okay. If anyone was at the rise from the dead, it should be Kid Zombie. <laughs> you know it, baby. What's going on out there in Carolina, brother? Not a lot. Watching TNA, the best show ever created, ever on earth, the best wrestling ever, the best angles ever, the best promos ever. I love it so much. My only regret is that I don't get to watch uh, Herb Abrams' UWF and compare the two. That's my only regret. I don't get ESPN Classic here. If I did, my life would be complete, though. Well, that's a crying shame. Well, we're gonna we're gonna start off real quick. Um, Brad, I know you are you are associated with HighSpots.com. And I I heard a rumor, I heard a rumor that um, that Mike from High Spots uh, approached Terry Runnels about doing a shoot interview. Um, yeah, care to comment? Uh, yeah, we work with uh, the UWF house shows that are run in uh, Carolina and Virginia, and I guess on the next the next loop he's got uh, Jerry the King Lawler and Terry Runnels as his two headliners, and I, we were at the tables, uh, we were at the gimmick tables last time, and I was like, you know, Mike, uh, FYI, Terry Runnels has uh, never done a shoot interview, and he goes, you know, Brad, FYI, she was in my offices not long ago and told me there was no way in hell, and uh, I was like, really? He said, yeah, her exact words were, uh, well, you're not, you wouldn't ask me about Dustin, would you? And uh, Mike said, well, we, we maybe one or two questions, you know, and she's like, no, I can't, uh, I may be paraphrasing this a little bit, but she's like, I can't bury him. I have a child with him. And uh, my reaction was definitely like, can we can we not talk about him without burying him? But uh, that was that's the story. Is I, I can't bury Dustin. I have a child with him. And apparently not being able to bury Dustin eliminates all speech about Dustin. I don't know. Oh, that's weak. That's weak. But that's the story. So, so uh, you worked this past weekend? Uh, yeah, we had uh, UWF shows that uh, Hermie Sattler funds and books, and uh, 
We were in uh, eastern North Carolina, a little town called Keenansville, and uh, a slightly bigger town called Wilson, uh, with Kevin Nash headlining. So I will, I will definitely put Nash over. He did good for us this weekend, and uh, they did all right. Oh, that's cool. Some of those shows um, are really, some of those shows are really hit or miss, in you know some of these small towns. But uh, it all depends on who they book, and we had. Uh, as far as guys that really have the ability to draw people into these little towns. And uh, we had Kevin Nash and Scotty Tuhati, who does real well in these little small market towns. Uh, they were the headliners this weekend, and it did very okay. So they, they drew well, and the shows came out okay? Yeah, they definitely came out all right. Um, Scotty does real well in these little towns. Uh, D'Lo does really well. Um, and it's totally different if we were going to run uh, Richmond or Charlotte or someplace like that. Even when we ran uh, Myrtle Beach last year, it's totally different running a big market than when you're running, you know, Kenansville, North Carolina at the middle school. You know, even with Kevin Nash and Scotty Suhati on the show, you're you're thankful to draw 300 and you actually end up drawing, you know, five or six. Um in some of these little small towns, you just never know what you're going to get. But it's definitely it's different booking a show in a small town than in a big market. You know, um, I, if I'm if I'm you know running a work rate indie, I'm not sure I'm calling you know the James Gang. But you know they work real well in those small towns because everybody just wants to you know cheer along with Road Dog and do the stuff they've seen on TV. It's definitely a different experience. Um, you know, I've seen Petey Williams and Alex Shelley have, you know, tremendous work rate matches that nobody in, uh, you know, Nightdale, North Carolina, particularly gave a shit about. It's a totally different experience that a lot of young promoters don't realize. You know. Right. Well, I mean, you got to understand, though. I mean, geez, I don't want to bury the, you know the people in the Carolinas, but you know, they as far as as being entertained by pro wrestling, they're more of a simpler fan. But I, and I'm not. I'm not saying that. Yeah, I mean, I wish all fans were like that because you know it's easier for these boys to go out and you know put on a headlock for ten minutes as opposed to you know flipping, flying, flying, and flipping. You know, it, it's just. I mean, it's not the business that I fell in love with. But uh, yeah, I'm it's, gonna... uh, you're you're not going to offend me with that at all because it's so much easier and more fun in these in those small markets for people that were brought up that way. But you're right, it's a totally different market. Hey, Brad, how long have you been working? I've been working uh, since 2001, since January. And so I guess it's, oh, uh, we're just now in, like, I guess year eight, I guess. Oh, wow. So I, I, I just assumed you had been working for uh, not that long. But um, now that you're working the, uh, the UWS shows, you mentioned names on there like Kevin Nash and the James Kent. Who's uh, backstage has been really influential and really helped you out throughout your career? Um, Earl Hebner is really cool. Uh, he'll, you know, as far as being knowledgeable and as far as helping the boys out, um, I think, uh, you know, Hermie, Hermie Sadler is the money man, and I, I'm 99% sure he books most of the shows. But I think he go he relies to Earl a lot on finishes and things like that. Um, Kevin Nash was super cool this past weekend. Uh, it was my first chance to to get to you know do anything with him, but I mean it was or be around him. 
but he was really cool. Um, oh, you're welcome. Bubba can be. Uh, Bubba can also be kind of a dick. Most people know that. But Bubba can be really helpful uh, with a lot of the younger guys, too. Hello? Okay. Um, I'm looking on uh, one of the news sites, Alex. Um, just a quick chime in here. All Japan has booked this match for my son's birthday, March 1st. Kijimuro and Tanahashi against Kawada and Taiokea. Now, that's going to be a fun tag match. That is definitely going to be a fun match because uh, at the 2007 1-4 Dome show, Taiokea and Tanahashi had a, a really, really good match. I think it was uh, underlooked on that card because that card was really strong. But uh, the, the All Japan match, it'll definitely be fun. I mean, hopefully uh, we see a little bit of Tanahashi in, in a more capacity because I've just started getting back in the Japanese wrestling scene and I haven't seen him have his matches with Mar Fuji. I know he's much better now, so I'd really like to see Tanahashi spread his wings considering he just dropped the belt or whatever and go and work the best talent throughout Dota promotion. So, uh, Brad, uh, do you follow Japanese pro wrestling at all? Um, not very much. Uh, I can usually, uh, you know, anything that's in, that's in Meltzer's daily update or something like that, you know, I can tell you who's headlining you know, the next big card or, or who they're grooming for the belt. But aside from that, I, I don't really get to keep up with it much. Um, I spend most of my time on the indies and try to keep up with what, you know, Chikara's doing or, or PWG or ROH or whatever the case may be. Um, I like to keep an eye on those guys so that occasionally we can rip stuff off from them because the people in <laughs> Burlington, North Carolina, definitely have not seen it, so it's okay. <laughs> Who are your, some of your favorite guys in the Indies to watch? Um, I, I've really just recently been bitten by Chikara. Um, I've, I've been a big mark for Delirious for a while, and uh, Mitch Ryder, Eddie Kingston. Uh, there, there's a handful of guys that I've just really, in the last couple of months, gotten into. Um, I've really been digging Mitch Ryder um, as far as, I mean, that's, Right up my alley as far as somebody that could come down to the Carolinas and get over instantly, you know, without doing a lot of moves necessarily. Um, God, I can't really think of who. Tell me a place couldn't get over. <laughs> Say what now? Tell me a place Mitch Ryder couldn't get over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but, I mean, that it, coming, you know, from the Carolinas, that does a little something for me because I've seen, you know, Ruckus, who I, I think is tremendous, and I'm, I'm a fan of his work. But I've seen Ruckus, you know, come down here to Chattanooga, Tennessee, and not get over at all, you know, doing the stuff that Ruckus does. And so somebody that is kind of, you know, evergreen, and and you know that his his stuff will work anywhere. Uh, that runs a lot. That wins a lot of points for me. Um, but yeah, Mitch Ryder, uh, Sweeney. I love the stuff ROH is doing with Sweet and Sour. Um, God, it feels like there's not that much happening in ROH, as I'm trying to think. I like the Age of the Fall angle they did with the Briscoes. I thought was really unique and really strong. Um, but, yeah, the, the Eddie Kingston promos last year against, like, How a Wicked, I just discovered uh, thanks to uh, Chikara Fan Dan on YouTube, and I've I've really been getting into that stuff, and I really have been uh, have been digging Kingston stuff. First few times I saw him, I kind of his look kind of turned me off, and the indie man pants and all that. But he's he's <laughs> quite talented. I saw Very Kingston strong. live twice, 
and uh, Kingston. Um, I'm not I'm, Kingston's really good, but um, his, him just as being a heel and how he interacts with the the crowd is just awesome. That's what I really really like most about Kingston. Yeah, I, I honestly haven't even seen the guy work that much. I've just seen you know his presence and his promos, and that's really won me over more than anything, perhaps even more than his work would if I saw him work. Uh, because like I, I've, I've told KZ before in conversations, uh, I'm a real I'm a real storytelling kind of guy. I'm a real you know when people would would talk about how one day Raw was going to be nothing but two hours worth of promos, I, I'm one of the few that could probably live with that because that's kind of the the way you tell your story is what's going to draw me in a lot of times. So his, him him being able to tell the story about the students and all that really won me over. I have to say, if you're not watching the Chikara product, like, uh, I, I just think it's some of the best stuff I've seen in, in years. I mean, uh, um, it's really some of the best stuff going on in America right now, in my opinion. I think in, a, in now that the late season is just starting up, I, I may have to uh, firmly jump on the bandwagon and start getting every show uh, because the, the you know little spots and stuff that I've seen, I've thoroughly enjoyed. And um, I definitely think... You know, they've got something, and I don't even like Lucha that much, but they've got something that's so, you know, unique and entertaining. It's really, really cool. And it's it's a breath of fresh air, even more so now than I think it would have been had I been following them from the beginning. Well, I'm just hoping in 2008 a lot of those guys started getting booked a lot more because I'm not seeing them work enough places as good as they are. Oh, I agree with will. that. They will. Is anybody else watching TNA right now? No. We're, we're both on actually... the West Coast, dude, so. Oh, okay. Uh, my wife and I are trying uh, to figure out if this guy's actually Daniels or not in the Curry Man suit. It is. I, mean, I think it is. I see no reason why it wouldn't be, but he definitely is, uh, I don't know. Who is he working with? It's, uh, Cur- it's Curry Man and Shark Boy against the uh, tag team of the future, Lance Hoyt and Jimmy Rave. Uh, <laughs> Crap fest. <laughs> in the uh, in the in the tradition of you know the Andersons and the Midnight Express and the Steiners and Lance Hoyt and Jimmy Ray. Shit. <laughs> yeah, right. Well, there you go. You you open that door, Brad. You are from the mecca, as far as I'm concerned, of pro wrestling, the Carolinas. Um, what I agree what with did that. you? I have contributed nothing what, to it. What What did you, you know, watch? I'm from the uh, growing up. Uh, what growing did, up, growing up, yeah, growing up. Uh, let's see. On Saturday mornings, we got uh, Worldwide Pro. Uh, I think I think Mid Atlantic Wrestling technically was still going on, but it was owned by Crockett at the time, so it was basically a, another one of the syndicated shows. We got World Class Superstars Wrestling Challenge and Glow, which I am a big mark for to this day. I don't give a shit what anybody says. Those girls knew what their fucking gimmicks were, and they worked their gimmicks, and I'm I support that. Uh, so we got and we got pro wrestling this week, and at uh, different points we would get Watts TV. Um, here the last uh, the last year and a half or two years of the of the UWF we would get their TV. Um, so we had a very healthy dose of. Uh, of everything on Saturday mornings. Uh, UWF was probably my favorite at the time, even though their their 
peak had already happened. This was like 87 um, when like Gilbert and Taylor and Sting and Brad Armstrong and Tim Horner were on top. Um, you know, I still, I still dug that stuff even, you know, I didn't have any clue that it had already peaked. I was, you know, six or seven or whatever I was years old. Uh, that was probably my favorite. I, I really liked Glow and I wasn't sure why. And I, cause I, it wasn't because of the girls cause I was like five or whatever, but I really think it was because they could work their fucking gimmicks. And that's something that I'm kind of seeing a little bit more of now with like Chikara and with the girls that are on TNA, you know, people that just work their gimmick to a T and that wins points with me too. Where are you well, from? You... Where am I from? North Carolina. Yeah. Where are you from? I'm from 20 minutes outside of Greensboro. Oh, okay, okay. Like I said, yeah, I was Mecca. born in. Well, I was born in Spartanburg, so I mean that's kind of that's one of the meccas right there too. I was born Absolutely. in Spartanburg, South Carolina. I wish I, I, I wish I lived there in '87, '86. I mean, the, that was my favorite time, Brad. You know that Crockett '86 and '87. That's my favorite time ever, ever in pro wrestling. It was just. So, it would have so been a lot me. more beneficial to me if I had been born about five years earlier, um, because I was born in '83 and Ooh. went to my first show in '87. So if I had been born about five years earlier, I could have got in on some of the really good stuff that was happening. Because by the time I really started going to shows, you know, the boom in Greensboro was pretty much over with. But I did, I do have a lot of the TV, thankfully. So I get. Oh, you're telling me, bro. You're telling me I was born in 84, and I was in Spartanburg, and my mom still has the ticket stuff of all the NWA shows we used to go to, but I don't remember any of them. It's unfortunate. I wish I was born like four or five years earlier, just so I could remember it. Absolutely. I remember my first one. Um, It was September of 87, and Garvin and Flair was on top, but I can't remember who had the belt, because it would have been right around when Garvin won it. And uh, Dusty and Luger, I think Rock and Roll worked Tully and Arn. Midnight's worked the New Breed. I remember I looked up the results not terribly long ago, and uh, and I still have those somewhere. But I basically remember most of my first card, other than who had the belt, which I need to look up what the actual date was, because uh, it's possible that I actually saw Ron Garvin defend the belt. Oh, wow. That'd be kind of wow. cool. That'd be kind of cool if that was true. I saw Hogan wrestle Andre, so, I mean, that was all right. It wasn't on that show, obviously. Oh, you saw but, it on uh, house, though? I saw it uh, on a TV, actually. It was... Uh, oh, wow. A lot of people remember it was, it was in Winston-Salem, and it was right before WrestleMania four. It was the TV where Andre choked Duggan out with the singlet, and Duggan cracked him with the two-by-four to take him down. Mm-hmm. That was oh. in Winston-Salem, and I was there. And the dark main event was... Uh, Hogan and Bigelow versus uh, it was either Andre and Great. Bundy or Andre and the Gang. I think it was Andre and the Gang. Yeah, it sounds it about right. Before WrestleMania four, but yeah, that wow. was cool because I didn't. I was like five or whatever, and I didn't know the whole TV taping thing, uh, so I I wasn't expecting like eighty seven matches, <laughs> but it was really cool. KZ has a very similar experience. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, those those TV tapings. Oh man, the Cow Palace five-hour marathon tapings. Oh my God, those things were so damn long. I mean, they were so long. 
but it was fun. You know, you get to see all the, you know, all the TV stuff, and then uh, you get to uh, catch people when they debut and whatnot. But yeah, that was uh, good times. I feel like TV tapings now are longer. Not that I remember too much about, you know, the stuff I was going to when I was four and five. But the the tapings that I go to now feel longer because there's so much downtime. You know, they they take the time for commercials and, you know, taking up and setting down, you know, MVP's fucking thing that he comes out of and, and, you know, tables in the ring for contract signings and whatever. There just feels like so much more downtime now. Like those old TV tapings, they kind of kept rolling for the most part. I went to a raw, like the worst TV taping I ever went to was WSX. That literally felt like I was on a movie shoot or something with Colin Black and Jimmy Jacobs came out, and then they said we weren't loud enough, and they sent them back and had them come out again. That one was like the most staged wrestling show I've ever been to. But I just went to a raw real recently, and honestly, I mean, it had like a the long, long breaks, like you said, but I mean, it still felt like a wrestling show to me, you know? It just felt like a three-hour wrestling show. Because I've been to indie shows, that have had as many breaks as Raw had. So, I mean, I definitely wasn't too upset. I have, too. Um, <laughs> you got to you gotta be able to think on your feet on an indie. Um, uh-huh. You know, I was, on a show, I was on a show a few weeks ago. Um, bell time was supposed to be 730, and the guy had a real nice setup. He had, you know, uh, two big screens to show, you know, promos and videos and whatever. And, uh, but everything was on laptops. And it was all networked together, and something went down, and the guy couldn't think on his feet. So it's like 8:30. We're finally starting the show with 30 minutes worth of taped promos. And I'm like, you know, bro, just send a match out. You know, we can we can handle this on our own. You know, uh-huh. but people that can't think on their feet, man, it's a killer. I've been to shows with no technology, just a ring and some workers. And um, there's still been long breaks, and they still can't start on time, and it's just it's just ridiculous. That is ridiculous. What are they waiting on? <laughs> ROH. You, you never know. You two guys that you know will be there early, because there's always the guys that you know don't show up till eight o'clock, and you just accept them as that. Get you guys that you know are going to be there early. Preferably, they can work together. So I'm going to send them to the ring. Get going. There you go. God, I'm going to mark out if they put the tag belts on Brian and James and Bob Armstrong. I don't give a fuck. If they put the tag belts on them, I'm going to mark out. Who are the champs, dude? Tomko and AJ Styles are the champs. Oh. Tomko needs to be the heavyweight champion of the world. He's next. Hey, man, he's a star. He woke up in Japan and was a star. (laughs) He is a star. Ever since Global Impact, he's, he's, he's he's getting over. It's like... He's a star. <clears throat> Works for me. Works for me. All right. Now, Brad, you've you've put in some time uh, with High Spots, and you've done some shoot interviews. Um, yes. Out of the ones that you've done, uh, out of the ones that you've conducted, which ones are your favorite, and why? Um. Bill DeMott is probably my favorite um, because, and I, I told him this, and, and thankfully he laughed about it with me and didn't beat the shit out of me. Um, but I, I told him, I was like, I, I wasn't real, we weren't really looking forward to this interview, 
because, you know, we were thinking he was going to be political and he had just gotten released. And I was definitely under the impression he was going to be political and not open up. And he opened up tremendously. I mean, I, was, I tell everybody, you know, I don't think he's taking bookings anymore, um, which is a shame because for a while I was telling everybody to book Bill DeMont because um, he was such a positive experience for all of us, just real cool, helpful, and I mean, Bill being helpful wasn't necessarily like, uh, you know, fucking, uh, trying to think of somebody else that we've used. Uh, it, it wasn't necessarily like, uh, say, Tully Blanchard being helpful. In that you, you, you certainly take that advice to heart also, but especially for young guys that are really, you know, working to get to New York, you know, DeMott had been out of the system for like two months. So his advice was, like, supremely helpful because he knew exactly what the guys in New York were looking for. Um, you know, he was really on the on the cusp of everything. Um, but, yeah, Bill was real cool, and it's it's a really good shoot. If anyone out there is on the fence about it, go to high spots and get it. Don't go anywhere else and get it because Michael will yell at me. <laughs> okay. Um, you conducted a, a shoot with – the Mokies, my favorite yeah. jobber tag team ever. Well, what did you think of those guys? Um, it, until Bill popped in my head, the Mokies was actually who I was going to say, because um, that was another real positive experience, you know, um, pretty much like you would expect, real soft-spoken, humble guys, uh, kind of in some ways flattered that anyone would be interviewing them to begin with. Um but they were they were real cool, very nice, very um, very informative in, in their own way. You know, they didn't, but they were able to tell you. It's a different perspective. They were able to tell you, you know, who was who was cool to the underneath guys, who was a dick to the underneath guys, who beat them up, you know, things like that. And that's a different perspective to get. You know, on most shoots, you're talking to people about WrestleManias and stuff like that. So it was it was cool to get to hear that side of things also. Um, you conducted a, a shoot with Dick Slater. Yes. And to be honest, I really did not enjoy it. Um, I felt that Dickie didn't really open up, you know, as, as much as as he should have. Um, to be completely honest, was, neither did I. What what was the vibe going on during that shoot? I mean, it's it, it, he felt like, you know, it just I had the feeling that he just did not want to be there. I agree. Um, that was that was not that uh, a tremendously pleasurable experience. Um, he made reference several times to a book. He wanted to write a book, or he was in the process of writing a book, and we all kind of felt like he was holding back a lot in the interest of the book and, you know, not wanting to spoil things or whatever. Um, Yeah, I'm trying to remember. I remember he was very, like, he was very, he seemed to be very against um, natural change and natural progression. You know, he saw no reason why in 2005, there couldn't still be 30 territories operating the same as it was in 1985 or whatever. And, I mean, as much as people would like for it to be that way, there's 
there's more reasons than Vince McMahon why that's not the case, you know? Um, National DVD distribution. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, the Internet, there's, you know, it, it would be virtually impossible to pull that off, you know, where guys could run the same angles in different places and the same gimmicks in different places. It would just be virtually impossible in a, in a technological society like we have. Um, but I remember that. I remember, you know, kind of uh, a little, a little bitter, a little uh, resentful of of a lot of things. Um, but yeah, it wasn't uh, one thing that I've noticed being around uh, high spots and being around, you know, the whole process is um, that was a shoot that was put together at the last minute. It was conducted at uh, the NWA. Fan Fest that year, and we had talked to him a little bit, but it, it, the deal wasn't finalized until that day. And when that happens, for whatever reason, when that happens, the shoots are never as good. Um, I don't know if it's a if it's a mental preparation thing or what, um, but I remember because they. Michael and them had asked me, you know, research some Dick Slater questions just in case, because uh, we talked to him like once, and they put the deal together at the last minute. And whenever they do that, it, there's something about it, it; the shoots don't turn out as well as if guys know ahead of time. You know, I don't know if it's they don't open up enough or what, but they just never turn out as well for some reason. Alex, what's up? Uh, do you have any questions? Oh, oh no, I mean, no, you can continue, Casey. <laughs> I need you to cover, man. I need to blow my notes. I'm still fighting the sickness. But um, let's see. All right, Brad, has there been any uh, matches that you've seen recently, not counting TNA and WWE, that, that have just, you know, knocked your socks off, either live or on, in DVD format? Um, I haven't watched anything recent on DVD in a while. Um, I guess the most recent thing I watched was the, uh, the Nigel Morrisema pay-per-view, uh, the title change. Um, most of the stuff I've been watching, I've been getting through the Mid-South set and things like that, um, older things. Um, I tell you, Kevin Nash this past weekend, um, I think, I'm pretty sure I told, I, I talked to you about this online, but, uh, when we were at, at the UWF shows this weekend, Kevin Nash worked uh, a guy named Charlie Dreamer, who's one of the best freaking wrestlers in North Carolina. But he's like five seven or five eight, and he's about uh, you know two oh five ish, and you know he's not the guy that I would have put with Nash. Um, but Nash went out there, and they had they had the best match of the night. I mean, they had the best match that they could have had. Um, you know, Charlie got on him right from the start, took the leg out, fucking worked his knee over until Nash, you know, made the comeback and hit his moves and sent everybody happy. And, I mean, it was a real, you know, I was definitely thinking that Nash was just going to squash him in like 13 seconds, um, but Nash was selling for him. And, I mean, it was it was definitely as good a match as Nash could have with somebody that's, you know, 5'8 and 200 pounds. Um that's not, you know, Benoit, that's not, you know, physically, you know, jacked up or whatever. 
because this guy, you know, Charlie is a phenomenal wrestler as far as, like, wrestling goes, but he definitely wasn't going to be throwing Nash around. Um, and so that was that was really solid. Um, gosh, on the indies down here, there's just uh, – there's some guys that do a lot of moves, um, but most of them suck. Um, there's not a lot of guys that really, like, do a lot of moves that are really good. Um, you know, the guys that are good down here are the, are the, whether they're 40 years old or 20 years old, the, the Mitch Ryder kind of guys that, you know, tell the story and, and go out there and work. Um, and there's a lot of guys, that, there's a lot of fans, I guess, that that style kind of falls flat on. But, I mean, that's still what, what works here, thankfully, because uh, I'm definitely not going out there and doing a lot of moves. So that works in my favor. So, do you enjoy the Ring of Honor product? Because you, you've uh, brought up a couple times that you watch it. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, I, I watch. I try to watch every show, or at least um, every you know video wire, or whatever. I keep up with it from that extent, even if I don't get to watch all the shows. Um, I really like the way Gabe books. Um, I like just the flow of everything and the you know the pacing of a lot of his stuff. Um, there's been a lot of things that he has actually pulled the plug on earlier than I would have liked or sooner than I would have liked. And I don't know any other bookers that do that. Most of them, in my experiences, drag things out for too long and milk them for everything that they're worth. Uh, but I, I really dig the fact that there's there's been things that Gabe has actually pulled the plug on sooner than I would have liked to have seen. Um, not many bookers know how to leave them wanting more. And I like that. And I like a lot of the guys at Ring of Honor, but it's definitely, uh, there's definitely guys that, that are tremendously over up north that would not necessarily get over down here doing the same stuff. Um, not to say the guys couldn't get over, but that stuff wouldn't get over. If you if you had to choose three if you're running a show and you had to choose three guys from Ring of Honor that you would like to bring down to one of the smaller markets, who who, who would you bring? That's a fabulous question. Uh, Delirious, um, <laughs> Delirious I, in actual North Carolina is something I need to see. I, I think Delirious works, man. That gimmick is just um, if you if you draw kids, anyone with a mask gets over. Um, especially a younger-looking guy with a mask. You know, I mean, if you stick, like, a fat 40-year-old guy in a mask, that's probably not going to work. But if you've got kids at the show, you know, guys, a guy in a mask usually will, will get over with them. Um, down here, he might work better as a heel. I don't know. But just I, I think that gimmick would get over pretty much anywhere because um, he's just so good and so quick on his feet, you know, quick thinking. Um that he could go out there and get over. Um, I would want Mitch Ryder, but he's not really ROH, so I would take Larry Sweeney in his place. Um, but my, my first choice would be Mitch Ryder, but I'll, like I said, I'll take Sweeney in his place. Um, I, I feel like the Briscoes could get over down here um, doing less if they – I mean, I don't know the Briscoes personally, but if, that can, if they could do less and, and be comfortable doing less, they could get over down here. 
Because a lot of the stuff they do is freaking incredible. Um, yeah, I guess I guess that'd be my three. Um, technically four. <laughs> All right, three guys from Ring of Honor. If you had the opportunity to work, you would like to work. I don't do a lot of work in myself. Uh, I do a lot of managing and, and commentary. Um, I, I could work Sweeney, and, and we would have an entertaining, stalling brawl. Um, I, I could work Sweeney. Uh, Sweeney's evergreen, too. He's thoroughly entertaining no matter what he's doing. Um, yeah, there's not a lot of guys that, there's not a lot of guys that want to work. Um, because I basically just work when it comes time for the the man the blow off for the manager to you know get the shit kicked out of him and get juice and whatever. Um, but you know Sweeney's kind of from that mold, so he'd be all right. Um, but Delirious, well, I'll I could, the question then. I'll rephrase the question. I, I could entertainingly sell for Delirious's nonsense. That would be fun. I would love to manage against Delirious, so he could just fuck with me, and I could you know run around and scream like a girl and whatever. Um, but, yeah, rephrase, rephrase that. If there's three guys you would like to manage in the Ring of Honor, who would they be? Um, I, I, don't know if it, I don't know if it's me necessarily, um, but and I, I know a lot of people say this, but Roddy needs somebody to talk for him. Um, I don't know if it's me necessarily, but Roddy Strong could benefit from you know, somebody. Um, I want to manage the Heartbreak Express, um, which I guess is more FIP, but very similar, you know, the fat guys in the pink spandex. You know, if there's ever anybody that I would aesthetically fit in with, it's the freaking Heartbreak Express. Um, the fat guy in black with the pink tie? Yeah, oh, absolutely. I could, you, I could definitely... I, that's well. I don't have to be black, man. It could be, uh, you know, puke green or bright yellow or whatever the situation calls for. Um, yeah, Heartbreak Express, um, Necro. I would Necro could be. I left him out when I was talking about guys that could get over in the South, but man, Necro. Uh, it becomes a totally different gimmick with with the mouthpiece. You know, it becomes. Uh, I mean, somebody can have a big mark for, but I mean, can you imagine, you know, freaking, uh, you know, sinister minister talking for Necro? I mean, it's a totally different gimmick then. He's, you know, because he can do that stuff that will get over without being goofy like Judas Macias or whatever, you know. But, you know, I, I see something like that, and that would be fun to, to get to be the guy that's talking for Necro, you know, in a promo as he's beating himself in the head with a chair or, or you know, doing whatever Necro does. It's a totally different gimmick. It, it, it becomes, you know, Kamala or whatever then. You know, he becomes the savage that some shyster carny manager is going to unleash on some poor, unsuspecting public. Um, mm-hmm. So he would be a, a tremendous amount of fun, I think, in that context. Okay. Do you watch AAA? I beg your pardon? Do you watch any AAA? Um, I do not, but AAA actually has a, a tremendous following in this area. Um, there's a lot of guys I know that have that take a lot of workers that take on the uh, the uh, Spanish package just for the the opportunity to watch AAA. 
Um, we don't. I don't think we get it on a normal on a normal channel here. I think you have to take the the added, you know, the Spanish language uh, pack on through the cable. But I know quite a few guys that do and and love it and pimp it to me on great ends sometimes. Um, so I hear a lot about it. I know there's a lot of guys here that are watching it, you know, trying to pick things up. Yeah, I don't have really access to goofy. it myself. Maceus is really goofy in, in uh, TNA, but in AAA, he is one of the best acts I've seen this year. As as a pure entertainment standpoint, I mean, like, I, I love Maceus. Like, I, I, I'm not a fan of his matches, per se, but, like, just Maceus is awesome. <laughs> That's interesting, because, like I said, all I get to see is him, you know, spitting on himself in TNA and, and whatever, and uh, it doesn't seem to be working in Orlando. Um, but good for him if it's working someplace. Well, you've, you've, okay. seen, him, you've seen him versus Cibernetico, right, Casey? You've seen that whole feud in AAA, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah that's, that's good, good stuff. Huh. Yeah, no doubt. Well, um, before we wrap it up with you, Brad, uh, we're going to play uh, Name Association. I'm going to drop I'm going to drop a name, and, and I want you to give me your honest shoot feelings. This is okay. one of my favorite games. I wish you knew right. people from North Carolina that I could shoot on, but nevertheless, All right. fire away. The, the, the first name will be Good Helmet. Oh, the best. Um, great for the whole community. Um, you know, he's put stuff together that workers are studying and learning things for. from. Uh, he's great for the whole community. Yeah, I, I love him. He's he's a real he's good guy. He's great for the business. I was on a uh, okay. I, I, Ted DiBiase was in town this past weekend, and I was unfortunately out of town with with UWF, uh, but he was on a legend show here in Greensboro. And had I not been uh, out of town, we were actually going to go. I wasn't booked, but we were going to go anyway, just for the purpose of giving Ted DiBiase uh, a mid south set. But I didn't get to go. But I think Ted would have appreciated that. See, the next name will be Chance Prophet. I have never actually worked with Chance Prophet. Um, I have heard a lot about him from different guys. Uh, I'm pretty sure my my good friend Drake Tungsten knows him pretty well. Um, But I've never actually even, I don't think even been on a show with Chance. Um, He seems to be one of the guys from, you know, around this area. He's not from North Carolina per se, but he seems to be one of these guys from around this area that's that's getting over and getting some exposure, so good for him. I hear he's a crazy dude though. Brad too hot Thomas. Oh, Brad Thomas? Uh mm-hmm. great baby face. Um I didn't realize Brad Thomas was not his real name until I heard Bobby uh Eaton call him Joseph and it blew my mind. Um yeah, great baby face, great, you know, spunky, all-American type kid. Um, yeah, real nice guy. Sean Denny. Um, not a nice guy. Um, I knew him before he was Sean Denny uh, when he was wrestling under another name, um, or at least knew of him. Um, real good talent. I- I'm surprised that a lot of the the stuff that he does works for the you know Virginia crowd, um, but yeah, he's a real sharp talent. 
Hermie Sadler. Ooh. Um, Be careful. Great, great resources. Um, but would a lot of times, I think, be better off. Um, be better off maybe if he had more wrestling people around him. Um, but yeah, I mean, real super nice guy and everything. Um, but there's definitely, uh, you know, the shows could be tighter. The shows could be a little bit more wrestling oriented. But uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's a super nice guy, and I mean, he's put on some some good shows. And we're gonna wrap it up with Ricky Morton. Oh, uh, you know, one of a kind. Uh, he's real uh, nice guy. I mean, he's never been he's never been rude to me or anything. But uh, I've been a little disappointed in my in my opportunities to work with Ricky. Um, you know, he works everywhere, so you you're not really sure you know, what you're going to get. I've been around him sometimes when he was tired and didn't really want to, you know, wasn't necessarily in the best of moods or whatever. But um, still draws, man. That, that's my main thing about Ricky Morton, I guess, is I've been on shows that were legend shows where they brought in, you know, those uh, those Tony Hunter shows that he was running for a while. They would bring in Lawler and Dusty and all these names, you know, for thousands of dollars. But the guy who would get the biggest pop was Ricky Morton, who was there every week or every month. So, I mean, you can't deny that. Still a draw. All righty, Brad. God bless you. Well, we're going to do uh, – we're going to wrap up uh, your segment here. Um, right on. I'm going to give you the office to plug whatever you need to get plugged. Well, I would plug uh, cwfmidatlantic.com. But for some reason, it hasn't been updated since before our anniversary show, which was in December. Um, but for future reference, someone could still check that out, potentially. Um, MySpace.com backslash Stutzy, S-T-U-T-T-S-Y, uh, if you ever want to look me up for anything. Um, and AWA Power Pro, I think, is AWA powerprowrestling.com if anyone out there is listening in the Carolinas they'll be at uh, they'll be in Cameron and Carthage in Hardy Country this weekend and I will be there as well Uh, I think that's AWA powerprowrestling.com and uh, yeah that's about it indyinsiders.com I-N-D-Y insiders.com they put up pictures and reviews and everything of a lot of the shows that I'm on. Uh, yeah, follow plugs. Awesome, awesome. Brad, thank you for your time, brother. It was definitely Absolutely. our pleasure you. having you on. Um, we will uh, definitely have you on uh, in the not-so-distant future. Right on. I appreciate but, it, uh, Daisy. It's always fun to talk to you, Bradley, and uh, we will be talking to you very soon. Alex, say goodbye. Are you there, Alex? All righty. I think I am. I think I'm alone. Oh, oh, oh. (laughs) I had myself on mute. I'm sorry. You wouldn't talk to Alex (laughs) Shelley. I mean, you know. You know, it's funny. He mutes himself, and it's his show, but. 
<laughs> All right, Brad. <laughs> well, Thank you, guys. Have I'm a good gonna... second hour. All righty, brother. You take care now. It's good talking to you All again. Right, All righty, Alex. That was a pretty uh, pretty fun beginning. Yeah, that was a good beginning. I was wondering why he was ignoring my questions. I remember I put myself on mute. Yeah, I just ate some sushi, <laughs> and then uh, I'm going back home, but I can't drive on base with my cell phone on, so I'm parked at a gas station right now, so gas station radio. Hey, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. Um, we'll be having, be having SoCal Pro and WrestleWarehouse.com owner Jeff Dino calling in momentarily. Um, oh, about there's a, there you go. Well, there's a break in the action. Uh, we'll plug we'll plug the boss man there. Uh, WrestleWarehouse.com for all your pro wrestling needs. Um, check them out. Tell them KZ from RiverGuard Radio sent you. Also. You can check out uh, their sister company, which would be SoCalProWrestling.com. Um, if you're if you're listening and uh, waiting for the guests to come on, you can also check out NewWaveProWrestling.com, uh, which is a company that Alex, my co-host, wrestles for. Um, both of those companies are based out of San Diego. Um, they have some uh, hot shows coming up. Jeff has a show this this weekend, which is SoCalPro, and in March will be the Anniversary show for New Wave Pro Wrestling. And hey, did you look at that card yet? Uh, no, I have not. I oh, have man. Not. The card's up on www.newwaveprowrestling.com. Um, I'd, I'd run down a couple of the matches, but I, I'm not in front of my computer right now, so I don't, I don't know all of them off the top of my head. I know there's a Battle Royal. I know they uh, stuck me in a rematch with that, that freaking uh, Locura. Me and him are going to rematch it on the 15th. Um, we got the attacking uh, title defense of uh, Ariel Storm, Precious Ricellis, against Anchors Away. We have uh, Ariel Starr, who's doing double duty that night, is wrestling uh, PWG's own Scott Loft. And then uh, wow. the main event's Chaos, so it's crazy. Oh, we have the, the four-way handcuff match, where to be eliminated out of the match, you have to handcuff your opponent to the ring post. In between Matt Twisted, uh, Rotten Ronnie Thrash, uh, Antonio DeMarco and Chris O'Grady. And then, uh, did I miss anything? I hope no one gets mad at me. Uh, Chimera, Chimera against TJ Perkins against LTP. Yeah. I'm going to go on the record. I'm going to go on the record. That three-way is going to steal the show. I'm sorry, bro. I don't bro, know, man. It's going to be, it's going to be some stiff competition that night because, uh, I think Ariel Starr has got lost. There's a lot of stuff going into that match. Um, basically, Ariel Starr grew up like basically right down the street from Scott Loss, and he's a uh, he's a uh, four or five years younger than him. So he's seen the rise of Scott Loss. It's like having that kid that you went to high school with and you made it, and now he's in Scott's profession, and now you know uh, he's really he's really going to challenge himself. This is a match he's always wanted. And finally, at the first anniversary show for New Wave, uh, he's probably going to get his dream, the Russell Scott loss. And I, I think Ariel Starr, I mean, Ariel Starr is always impressive every time he goes out there, but uh, I definitely think we're going to see a, a new level of uh, – I think he'll step his game up against Scott. So I think that has the potential. And I've been telling everybody for months, that third match between Chaos and SoCal Crazy with uh, Baby Slam and success against Referee, um, the first two matches uh, – I sent I sent him, I sent you the DVDs earlier this week, KZ. But uh, the second match in particular was really really good. 
And I just have a feeling that the third match is going to be one of the best matches San Diego's seen in a while. You know? But LCC, Chimera, and TJ Perkins, that match is going to be insane, though. I don't want to take anything away from them. Yeah, it's going to be fun. But uh, I will definitely bring... I'll be sitting in the front row for this show, and I will bring my sign. Um, it'll say, Go Little Show. Because uh, Mr. DeMarco in this picture, he looks like the big show. <laughs> it's trippy, dude. <laughs> but yeah, this is a fun looking, a fun looking show here, and definitely. That, I, yeah. I honestly, like, even if I wasn't associated with New Wave, I could, I couldn't put that show over enough. I mean, the show is uh, looking really, really good. Uh, Saturday at the down at the YMCA, not downtown, at the Oceanside uh, Boys and Girls Club. Uh, Jeff, uh, Jeff show, the SoCal Pro Show, that's going to be a really good show. I'm really looking forward to that. And then uh, New Wave, we're about to have some big announcements coming up. So uh, just keep checking the website, keep checking the MySpace. And um, things are looking up for both promotions in San Diego. And then LLI's got a show this Sunday. Uh, I'm, I'm not in front of my computer, so Jeff will be better to run down that show. And uh, things are going well, man. I'm just excited, you know. Things are picking up down here. Hey man, that that's that's the idea, brother. You know, trying to blow a breath of fresh air into that San Diego scene, man. You know, LA shouldn't be getting all the love. You know, there's some talent, you know, more south than LA, I'll tell you. Well, I'll tell you, uh <sighs> next week I'm gonna try to get him on the show, but uh speaking of LA, I mean, uh there's a guy named Chimera who just came back from Germany who's uh who's doing really, really good. He's in as uh he's entering in his second year in the business. Well no, he's actually he's uh he's pretty close to his second year I'm pretty sure. I know he's already been in for a year. But uh Chimera's just been doing great, great things and I would like to see him get booked in bigger, bigger places. And also I'm about to break a scoop here while we're talking about LA. Uh this uh, there's a big potential that anchors away is returning to EWF this Sunday. Oh, cool. Yeah. All right. On the line the owner of SoCal Pro Wrestling and WrestleWarehouse.com, my boss, Jeff Dino. What's going on, Jeff? What's going on, fellas? We're just running down the uh, New Wave Anniversary lineup. Awesome. So, we have you on the show. We need you to run down the the card for this coming weekend and uh alex awesome. and myself will give our give our thoughts yeah let me let, let me try and run it down for you pretty quick because uh your mystery guest will be calling up in about 10 minutes so anybody listening uh, keep on the phone Mr. uh if you got a got a special treat for you you got it boss you got the floor all right so uh we got our uh our main event on saturday night it's going to be adam pierce and jason redondo and they're going to be taking on SoCal Crazy and Baby Slim, which is going to be an awesome, awesome match. If anybody saw online uh, the match with SoCal Crazy and Adam Pierce from last month, uh, this tag match will be awesome, uh, including uh, including Jason Redondo and Slim into that match as well. So, And Alex was there, so Alex knows that last match was just awesome. And uh, I think the tag match is going to really, really be an awesome match. Um, anything with any of those guys is great. They can't really go wrong with those guys. 
You guys there? Oh, yeah, okay. Well, we'll get some. Right. I thought you were just going to run down the show real quick. But, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah I, I just, I've never heard Alex that quiet that long. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yeah, we can go over it. Uh, the next match is uh, got Brandon Bonham coming in from uh, Northern California, and he's going to be taking on uh, Matt Jackson of the Young Bucks, which uh, that match is uh, it's going to be a really cool match. It's the first time either one of those guys have faced each other. Uh, it's going to be a, a nonstop just action match. Uh, probably see a lot of high-flying moves in there. So if you're familiar with uh, the Young Bucks, you know what they do in there, and it's it's probably going to, like KZ said last time I was on, it's probably going to be the match of the night, which a lot of people are saying, so we'll just have to wait and see. Um, then we got a, uh, match, a return. Promoter just steal it from you. If it's a good match, another promoter just steal it from you. What's that? I didn't hear you. If, enough, if, if it's a good match, another promoter will just put on the match, and they'll get more accolades than the match you put on. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, you know, I mean, no one's done that yet. <laughs> How many times has the Ballard faced the Young Bucks? <laughs> well, no offense to anybody that puts on that match. That's going to be a good match. But, I mean, just the fact that people refuse to give any accolades to what's going on in SoCal Pro, even with that uh, Adam Pierce and SoCal Crazy match, that was just great from any kind of standpoint that you want to go on. Um, why that match, no one's talking about it except for me and Jeff. Is beyond me. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm, I'm really shocked. I, the match is just awesome, and I, I really haven't heard anybody say anything about it um, except for the people who were there. And the match is online, so I'm, I'm, you know, I'm wondering why people aren't talking about it because it was just an awesome match. So for anybody who hasn't seen it, go online, check it out. It's an awesome match. So hopefully more people, you know, hopefully people start noticing some of these guys that, you know, aren't in the, the mainstream L.A. area, you know, being how San Diego isn't really up there with, uh, you know, it's it's pretty much new. It's been untapped for, for many years. So we're trying to really make a make a name for San Diego once again down here with uh, New Wave and SoCal Pro. So um, other matches that we've got for Saturday, the Ballard Brothers against Ricky Mandel and Hector Canales. Um, these guys had a match uh, back in September. They were in the three-way tag match. Uh, they were also facing with uh, Johnny Goodtime and Evangelic, and the Ballard brothers picked that win up back in uh, back in September. Um, so it's it's definitely going to be an awesome match with this rematch uh, coming up on Saturday with those guys. And Ricky is still uh, still hasn't won a match yet. So I know a lot of people are really hoping he can pick up a win against the Ballard brothers. Uh, he's, I think he's 0 for 9 now. <clears throat> so hopefully we can see Ricky get his big win in SoCal Pro. So I know there's a lot of people cheering for him, bringing signs for him. And he's definitely a big fan favorite, you know, in SoCal Pro right now. So hopefully he can get a big win. And, uh, another match we have is Billy Blade against Johnny Goodtime. Um, which is anybody who's seen Johnny Goodtime is, knows they're going to have a good match. And Billy Blade is... He's pretty new to Southern California. He hasn't worked too much down in San Diego, and he hasn't been down here for, for many years. So it'll be good to see him make his return down here. And he's from Northern California as well. I hope Billy Blade makes Johnny Goodtime bleed. I have heat with Johnny Goodtime right now. <laughs> yeah, ever since he, he slapped you right in the face at that at that show-up we went to in L.A., uh, yeah. I, I know you uh, you haven't liked Johnny Goodtime. 
But the fans, right. they come they come with their support for Johnny Goodtime. There's fans in the crowd with power pads and with signs for Johnny Goodtime. So <clears throat> hopefully, uh, you know, hopefully they don't want to beat him up like you, Alex. All right, Jeff, I'm going to have to cut you off. I have Mr. X on the line. Mr. Welcome X. To rubber, welcome to Rubber Guard Radio. How you doing, Tracy? Hey. Can you hey, hear me? Can ha- you hear me? We have... Yep, I got gotcha. you. We have the okay. made man, Tracy Smothers, on the line. How you doing, Hello. brother? Okay, I just came out of the ring about 10 minutes ago, and I ate me somebody's birthday cake, and I'm about to, I feel like I bloated and gained 30 pounds. <laughs> How's everything? Who... who? Fine and dandy. What, Fine what and dandy. radio show is this called, guys? We are called is, Rubber Guard Radio, and okay. we are an internet-only radio show. Okay. We are um, we are sponsored by your boy Jeff Dino. Okay. And yeah. we we're a strong supporter of all independent pro wrestling. But so, uh, who are you in the ring with? T- in the ring with tonight, Tracy. Oh, God, I cannot even remember what that kid's called. He's very good. Uh, something Anderson. Uh, hey, what was the kid's name I wrestled? What was the kid's name I worked with? Devlin. Devlin Anderson. See, bud? Yeah, Devlin Anderson. He's good. Kind of mm-hmm. Cactus Jack type, you know what I mean? But he can move, man. He's really good. Good boy. Tremendous. But, uh, um, Tremendous. yeah, here in Chillicothe, Ohio tonight. This show just finished. Hey, guys, have a good night. All right, all right. Wow, here we go, but, uh, folks. This is a yeah. this is a first for Rubber Guard Radio. You're you're hearing um, one of our guests hey, live in a locker room. You know what room. I want to say right here to everyone out there is listening, and I don't know if they know this guy or not. Him, of course, they, I'm sure they do. But kudos to Frank Mir for kicking Brock Lesnar's ass. I just want to say that right <laughs> away. You know why? Because he crapped on our business. He was nothing. He was in the NCAA state champ. Understand that. He held uh, WWE up to get more money just to go to developmental. And WCW going to give him 250 grand. WWE gave him 350 grand. He didn't have to leave Louisville just to train. He made millions while he's in the business. Everybody from Undertaker to The Rock to Steve Austin to every top guy on that crew put him over to get him where he was. He decided he won't travel no more. Bought a plane, walked away from seven years, full five million dollars. Ever they spent all that money to build him, quit and just dog won't even sign a autograph for a child. Uh, you know, when he was playing, trying to play pro football. And from what I heard, the reason they cut him was because he shot away from contact. So that tells me he's just a big pussy. All right, simple as that. He has respect for our business or the people in it. Frank Mayer, if you're out there listening, young man, I will fly you to Nashville if you can come to us, and I'll buy you a steak dinner, and I'll get you a fifth of Jack, Bubba, whatever your, your choice is for doing that. That, that humbled his ass, and he's disgraced to our business. I just want to say that right there. I ain't scared of him. I, I ain't saying kick his ass, but I think I can let him talk with Frank Mayer if he did. Can I cuss on here? Oh, all him? night long. Well, fuck him. That's my point. You know what I mean? And the horse he rode in on. There you, know you go. All right. Two um, for fifteen, three for twenty. Are you real Yeah. See, I had a uh, Jamie Dundee on the show a couple months ago. Oh my and god. <laughs> he uh, he read live on the air the invitation uh, 
for paid rehab from WWE. And online or twenty. Good deal. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, it's okay. Uh, Jamie. Hey, I don't blame you. Jamie uh, read the invitation for a paid rehab by WWE for anybody that worked for them. Did you receive that letter? Yeah, I did. I did. I did. Well, what, see, what are your feelings on drug and alcohol? I'd rather I needed mean I need mental rehab after being in this business for 25 years and dealing with people like that. What I said, they go out and recruit these guys that have that don't even don't even watch our business, and they wonder why they won't listen to the people. You know, the, the guys that are agents that and I, listen, I ain't stroking what WWE does and, and all that. And I ain't sure ain't trying. I'm 45 years old. I born more bridges. I got more heat with them than the sun. That's cool. But what that guy did and guys like him, they just use our business to get in there. Whatever they do, man, why would you hire them anyway? I mean, you're talking about guys that don't even know who's Jack Briscoe, Jerry Briscoe, Bob or uh, any of the guys. You know what I mean? Ricky Steamboat or Arn Finley. They don't even know who they are. So how are they going to respect them? John Elway would never disrespect Johnny Unitas. Am I right or wrong here? I have to agree. right. More of that kind of crap. You get a bunch of guys that are robots. Just because they're a bunch of juiced up, jacked up, growth hormone, 45 steroids in them, and they, they think they, they know what do what we do. And, you, and, and, just, and they, that's what you run into. They ain't paid no dues. You know what I mean? That's my point. And it makes me I see so many young guys, all they depend on go since I got back doing this uh, for a job in 2005. I had retired after 911 and did 2004 in the summer. You know what I mean? And I see that. I'm going, this is dead-ass backwards here. You know? It's just, it's just it's messed up. They cut the guys that are good workers, good talent, got a good attitude. They're screwed. But to keep these folks like that, they ended up just them in the long run. Now, I just, I don't, I don't get that. I don't get that. I don't know if you're aware, but what today... I, what uh, I'm hanging out and chilling coffee, you know? <laughs> I don't know if you're aware, Mr. Smothers, but today, uh, World Wrestling Entertainment cut Ohio Valley Wrestling. As is, uh, I, I mean, what was the deal with that, guys? Can you tell me, you know what I mean? Because I, I haven't been online, I've been on the road, and, and all, but I heard that. Yeah. yeah I don't know what the... I don't know what the... I don't they know what they, the, they the, pulled the, out, right? OVW is no longer with WWE, right? Correct. Right. Yeah. I heard they fired Al Snow. Yeah, yeah they that's did. a shame. He's been with them a long time, man. Loyal, and, uh, you know, and always was a good friend, always was there to help everybody. I mean, that's my point. You know, you know I guess the worst thing ain't going to him, he's not a prick. But uh, I don't know. How long, how long is this interview going to be? A uh, couple minutes, if you like. No, it's whatever good for y'all. No, I, I can do this. I can do whatever you need to do. If you pick out whatever you want. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, fault in Iraq. All right, one, one question I do have for you, Tracy, I've always wanted to ask you, is that yeah. um, during your, uh, in the early 90s, during your run with WCW as part of the Southern Boys, you and the Midnight yeah. Express had some really good matches on pay-per-view. I was wondering yeah. why were the Southern Boys uh, put a little bit more in the tag team mix than what they were featured? Is, was there a reason behind well, that? or? Well, uh, you know, back then, I mean, you had the Steiners there where the Road Warriors were leaving. Uh, then you had, uh, the, uh, they weren't the Samoan SWAT team. What were they called? Batu and, uh, uh, Little, uh, God. And, uh, Big yeah, Sam they were the SST. Top. 
Yeah. Fatu and, and Junior. Yeah. Yeah. And they, they were there. Uh, they nice for us. The birds. Free birds. And then they ended up with, uh, of course, the horsemen. And then they went to the Dangerous Alliance with Bobby and, uh, I mean, just a lot of great workers, great talent. And we had a, you know, a little run with the Midnight Express. And, uh, that was really cool. And, uh, then with the Freebirds. And then, uh, two times, two different times with the Freebirds, about eight months each time. And learned a lot from all of them, you know, from, from Cornette and from Bobby and Stan, who trained me, and Steve Kern and, uh, you know, and of course, uh, you know, with Michael Hayes and Jimmy Garvin, just what a mind they had. And uh, and then we had a little run with the Steiners for like three months. And then uh, Steve had a little contract problem. He didn't want to sign it. He had some music. Didn't want to give it to him. And they ended up gave him his release. I had six months to go on mine. And I was there two and a half years. And they just kind of just, you know, didn't have any plans for me. And uh, I just got crushed my son. So I just did TVs and played golf and played Strict how my son, you know. So, uh, you know, and um, I mean, that's kind of it. I mean, uh, they, and then uh, Dusty come in, you know, he switches from the Southern Boys to the Young Pistols. And because the corporate people didn't like the Rebel thing, they didn't, you know, because that was back then was an issue, you know what I mean? Because we didn't confuse it racial, but that kind of hurt us too. And, uh, uh, but, you know, when they turned his heel, then they, you know, uh, Bill Watts came in. Bill Watts' job was really just to cut the budget, and he let a lot of guys go, 15 or 20 guys go. And, you know, and uh, I mean, he let Terry Taylor, Ricky Morton, Tommy Rich, you know what I mean? Guys that were, he knew and had done business with in the past just cut the budget and uh, the whole deal, you know. And a lot of other guys, too, I can't think. But, uh, you know, uh, that's the way the business is. And he brought in a lot of his own people that he wanted new people. And, uh, you know, not a lot, but he did. He just cut the car, you know, cut the, cut the crew down. And they were running two shows, and they started running one show. You know what I mean? So it cut the crew in half. Kind of. All right. Yeah. So it's just, you know, one of those things. I mean, that's God. That's so long ago. The TV was black and white. I still have people on to me with them trading cards, you know, them WCW trading cards. So I still have people on to me with those. We were in Marvel Comics with Sting. That was cool, you know. Got to do Special Olympics. That was really cool with them. That's the way the business used to be. You do drug talks with kids. It's good things, positive things. And boys never got no trouble. If you got pulled over by police, they take care of you now. They'll bust your butt, buddy, you know. But it's just sad to see all the guys that you know and grew up with, and a lot of them passed away. And and, and there used to be so many more jobs, you know. And, and, and uh, you just hate that because you see young guys like tonight, good boys, that kill to work every night. And, uh, my generation got, was easier to get regional TV coverage and nationwide coverage. Plus, there's a lot more overseas tours, especially Japan. A lot more guys going before 911, you know. So, you know, that's. Uh... Hey, hold on. Um, hold on. It's almost been 11 years ago, Mr. Smothers. But also, um, I'm a little bit younger. And then one of my favorite runs that I ever saw you in. Was one half of the ECW no. champion uh, yeah. in uh, ECW. And I was yeah. wondering if you would just like to give some of your thoughts on uh, Extreme Championship Wrestling during the time you were there. I, I'm sorry. I didn't hear what you said. You said some. I, I didn't catch it. Uh, oh, I'm sorry, sir. ECW uh, or in what, what now? 
Uh, yes, sir. Um, one, one of your uh, about 11 years ago, sir, you were in ECW in 1997. Yeah. And you were one half of the tag team champions with Lil Guido and Tommy Richards, your manager. I would just like yeah. you to recount some of your uh, memories of working for ECW. Oh man, that was such a blast! It really was, and you hated to see how, you know, they hated on ECW and the originals so bad. And it was such a cool place to work. And you hear guys that, of course, had never worked there with bad mouths. If they ever did the dressing room, it wouldn't have been that way because it was just like a big family, and it's just like a a band of misfits. It's like being in a bar. But uh, they they fight together. You see them fight. Some of them just fight each other and try to kill each other. But boy, like, you know, one night I remember Anthony Pitbull Anthony. God bless him. Uh, and Kuchak got in a knockdown, drag out brawl, took the whole dressing room. Up. I'll never get in Queens. For a while. Next night, some Mark sucker punched Mikey. Mikey Whipwreck, and the first two in their crowd kicking ass was New Jack and uh, Dr. Or, uh, uh and Tom, New Jack and uh, Anthony, and I stand up on the ring announcer table. Tommy, hey, you too, buddy. Good luck to you in the gym. All right. And, uh, 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 hey, see you. Good job. All right. All right. But, uh, and I'll stand up on the ring and I'll say, Tommy goes, You go get in it. And I go, Look at that. Look who's kicking ass right there with Atlas Security, those guys. They get back and they're hugging each other, crying, and get got drunk together and apologize to each other. You know, it's just that's the way it was there. It's not like that anywhere anymore. It's a shame. You know, it really is. How do you feel about you know, Paul Heyman? Oh, hey, he, I tell you what, I was ready to get out of the business in '96, and Chris Candido was going uh, had finished up and hurt his neck. And of course, Sonny, God bless Chris Candido. Him and Shane Douglas talked to Paul, and I knew Paul, you know, from Florida in '87. And from uh, uh, you know WCW and Continental also, and uh, you know, and he had started his own thing. And a few times there, Shane would call me about coming up, but I was already booked. I didn't want to you know run out on people I knew you know. And uh, uh, he gave me a job. I, I, the first night I worked, I worked Taz, and they liked the match, and uh, gave me a job. Told me I was hired. I worked a little while for both parties, and I was ready to get out. As I can say that for Cornette, too, uh, I was ready to get out in WCW, and Cornette called me off and on for a solid year before I went to Smoky Mountain. I was there three years, and with Paul E. three years, and WWF a year. And then uh, uh, after that, I was a trainer for about nine months for WWF out of, out of Memphis or developmental. So, But, yeah, Paul, Paul had a great mind. He changed the business. He really did. He'd do it right there on the fly and, and just knew. And he'd always watch matches in the crowd. And uh, he, he brought a different, I guess you'd say, flavor to the business. And he, I was burnt out ready to quit. He gave me a job. Uh, it made feel good to know somebody that cared about him. I, I guess when I got let go, if, oh, and I knew his expenses and had financial problems. I just wish if, if that he could, you know, in the old days you get a month notice or two-week notice and the way it was, which you wouldn't like. Of course, you get hot and stuff you don't mean, but... I appreciate he did. All he had to do was to pull me aside and just say, hey, Trace, i got to let you go. But, you know, and, and several other guys. But he was trying. I mean, I was probably there two, three months longer than it should have been with the, the way the financial situation was, you know. So, you know, I mean, I, I got nothing to say bad about him. I learned a lot from him, Cornette, and, you know, uh, Owe Anderson. Got to work with him, Dusty, of course, Bill Watts, Mike Graham, and, you know, uh, the Fullers, the Armstrongs. Okay. All right. What was your oh, favorite time? Yeah. All right, buddy. Yeah, yeah. All right. What?
What's that now? Okay. What was your favorite time when you were What was your favorite time when you were working Continental? Oh, every night. Ohio State. <laughs> yeah. uh, oh, man, every night. It was a blast. The Fullers and Armstrongs were people who worked for and be around, and it was always a good atmosphere. And they used to do good business, too. Man, boy, they really did, you know. And uh, it was a good time, good time, good times. I worked there about a year each time, uh, 88 for a year. And before I went to Japan and came back about the end of 89 and worked under the first of 90 before I went to WCW. But, uh, you know, Smoky Mountain, Continental, the old USWA territory. I worked Dallas a little bit. Worked for New Japan, All Japan, FMW, uh, IWA Japan and Wings. Worked for the win 18 tours. Got to go to Kuwait with uh, WWF. Was in an overseas tour. Did a lot of Japan bases in Guam, Diego Garcia. Had worked for all, most of the United States and Canada. And since I got back doing this full-time 2005, I got to go to Europe, the United Kingdom, like 10 tours. And I'm going again in the middle of March from the 12th to at least April 20th, and possibly, uh, probably end up, that's when my raises up, probably end up staying to, you know, like Thanksgiving, you know, because, you know, it's a lot of work over there, and it's, the business is real respected as a sport, you know what I mean, you know, and, and uh, it's a lot of fun, you know, it's a better deal for me. Glad I had fun everywhere, it don't matter, I, you know, I worked under pretty bike parking lots, it don't matter. Wherever, all spins the same, you know. Yes, sir. One more question, Alex. Yeah. What are some of your memories of Eddie Gilbert? Hey, be good. Be safe. Good luck to you. Memories of what? What are some Eddie of your Gilbert? memories of Eddie, Eddie Gilbert? Eddie Gilbert. I learned a lot from him. I learned a lot from his dad when his dad, at the, before he did the Freddy Krueger thing, would work under the hood a lot. Uh, he'd come back from Continental and just go 15, 20-minute broadways. He'd make me like a million dollars, which was hard to do. Eddie Gilbert uh, was in – I knew him since 83. Never got to work with him until 86 in, in Louisiana. And I worked with him twice, two or three times, and he went close to 10 minutes with me. And, and he was getting ready to put him as manager with Sting and Warrior, you know. And, uh, boy, he made he, – I mean, he was great, man. He had such a good mind. It's just so sad as to what happened, you know, because uh, uh, he always treated me good. His whole family, Doug, of course, you know, still see him. Son. Hey, see you, buddy. Be safe. You know, but uh, uh, he was something else. He was way ahead of his time, you know. He grew up. All right. Yeah. Well, Tracy, we're going to wrap up the segment. Okay. Uh, I really appreciate you coming on and, and answering our questions. Um if there are any promoters out there that would like to book you, how would they go about contacting yeah, my, you? My website is Tracy Smothers, small letters, dot biz, B-I-Z. You can scroll down. Uh, my email is, you, if there's a link there, but it's uh, name at comcast.net. Thank you, buddy. All right, be safe. And uh, that's how to get me, you know, and uh, things like that. And, uh, you know, just email me. Hey, you too. Cool. Brother just told me to watch me he's play off. That's going to be it's going to be it's going to be all right. Yeah. All right, buddy. Good luck to you. Get to the gym. All right. We'll go ahead now. All righty, Mr. Smothers. 
I really appreciate you coming on yes, on, on yes, short sure notice. Will. Okay, buddy. Yeah. You too, All right, brother. You take care now. All right, Alex, that was short but sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that was honest. pretty good. That yeah, well, no doubt. No doubt. Um, what we're doing is we're going to wait for uh, Jeff to call back in, and while we are waiting, I am going to play well, actually, Jeff a... Jeff just told me he had to leave. Oh, okay, he had to leave? Yeah, so Jeff won't okay. call back in. Okay, cool. Well, we have uh, 39 minutes, so I guess it's you and I. Okay, good. Seen any good wrestling lately? Me? Um, yeah. Actually, let's see. What did I watch? I watched a two-disc Bruiser Brody set um, that was just amazing. Um, I watched the footage before compiling it for uh, this guy I know that lives in San Diego. Um, and it's not Jeff. Um, just some insane Brody, and you're going to, ah, what the hell, cat out the bag. I made the set for you, dude, and uh, you're going to realize why I love Brody. Um, there's no no other brawler like him. There never has been, and there never will be. Um, see, uh I'm watching a lot of uh, Mid-South stuff. Um, I watched the Best of Vengeance, David Fuller, um, which was a which was a pretty good set. Uh, how about you? Um, I just saw. Um, I, I don't know the complete story, but it was uh, Taka Michinoku and uh, Nosawa as luchadors, and they also had Minoru Suzuki on their team. It's Minoru yeah. Suzuki. I've seen some of his, some of his stuff. I've seen some of his stuff, and um, he pulls off the badass role really, really well for his size. I mean, he's not the biggest guy, but you just believe he's a badass. And seeing him do comedy is some of the funniest stuff I've ever seen in my life. And him dressed up as a luchador, and then by the end of the match, him taking off all his gear and getting in the regular Minoru Suzuki gear. And just kicking everybody's ass is funny. And then I saw him wrestle a robot, which was hilarious. And then uh, Minoru Suzuki is a five-star man. Um, I, would, I would love to see him more. Um, been watching, uh, of course, the, uh, the Tanahashi stuff. Uh, Tanahashi, in my opinion, is probably the best worker in the world. Uh, I've heard a lot of people say that before I got into him, and I couldn't believe it. Because uh, we do have Brian Danielson in this country, but... Uh, I've been watching a lot of Hiroshi Tanahashi, and he, he is amazing, amazing, amazing. And um, I just, yeah, I've just i been watching some Mid-South, too. I, I just watch a little bit of everything. I, I've been watching a little bit of Ring of Honor here and there. Um, watch a lot of stuff. Uh, the Mid-South stuff, I've been watching the Freebird stuff again. Uh, Terry Gordy, you want to talk about Brawler? I'm not, I'm not too, too familiar with Bruce Brody, unfortunately. You will be. But you want to talk about a good Brawler? That was, that was Terry, Terry Gordy. Terry Gordy, I mean, mm-hmm. there wasn't, I, I heard Michael PSA saying in that more classy, but there wasn't nothing Terry Gordy couldn't do. I mean, Terry Gordy, any, he could do anything in the ring he wanted to do. He could make a guy look like a million bucks. I mean, Terry was just amazing, amazing worker. It's unfortunate that, you know, he uh, he passed on, but uh, he was just amazing. And then uh, the Freebird stuff, and uh, I, the, I've seen a lot of the world class stuff, and also it gets kind of repetitive to me because. Uh, 
once you've seen, you know, because once you've seen it, you know, you kind of seen everything, you know, and uh, it's good stuff, you know. But I mean, like the mid the the, the uh, mid south stuff was really really good. My only complaint about that is that I thought Bill Watts was featured a little bit too much in it because after uh, the Freebirds took out Doctor Death, uh, you remember what I'm talking about? Oh, do you have to believe me? Yeah, when they when they did oh, yeah. the angle and they took out Doctor Death with the pile driver on the floor, and then. Uh, Bill Watts was featured a lot more, and that kind of that always kind of struck a nerve with me. I mean, I wish uh, they'd have found somebody else in that role other than Bill, because it was kind of unbelievable seeing Terry Gordy, who was the champion at the time, backing down the old man Bill Watts. But it just kind of shows you what Bill Watts thought of himself. And uh, mm-hmm. that's, so, that's about uh, it. Hold on, me, just man. a sec, Alex. Hey, uh, hey, Ian. What's up, brother? Hey, Ian Daniels. Hey. What's going on, bro? What's up? What's going on? Oh, late night here in upstate New York, brother. Are you busy What's this up? weekend? Uh, actually, I have a, my first weekend off in four weeks, so um, yeah, it's good. Who's on? Who's on the Rubber Guard Radio tonight? Uh, my co-host Alex Saint. We had uh, Tracy Smothers on before you. You had Tracy Smothers on, and you call. You asked me to call in now. You yeah. <laughs> zombie! I'm so disappointed. <laughs> I did a battle. I did a Royal Rumble two weeks ago, and I was doing Tracy Smothers' dances and mannerisms the entire time just to entertain myself. And you tell me to call in now. Uh, break my heart. <laughs> Are you doing the the little hand under the chin thing there? Oh yeah, I was doing the dance. Throwing, I was just throwing back fists and double chops the whole time. It's a beautiful thing. <laughs> so, uh, beautiful. have you seen any any anything interesting? You know, wrestling-wise recently, Ian? Oh, God. I see everything wrestling-wise, Zombie. You know that. Um, Actually, I just got the uh, Rebuilding the Sheet thing from uh, KFAB Commentaries. Uh, It's a very well-put-together DVD. It's it's basically, I know it's kind of repetitive to do an Iron Sheet shoot interview nowadays, but it's with Sheik and his agent, Eric Sims, the guy who got that, you know, slap in the face on that YouTube vid we all saw and loved. And basically, um, it's the guy from KFAB Commentaries, Sheik, and Eric Sims sitting down, and Sims saying what's a work, what Sheik is really playing up, and what he actually believes in. And it's kind of interesting to get, you know, his perception. Sheik is almost in character the whole time, but apparently a lot of the shit that Sheik is really famous for is just, you know, he's totally just playing up like a ton, which, you know, having met the guy once, I wasn't sure. either. He's, he's either the best worker in the business or, you know, besides Johnny Ace, because let me tell you, with the crappy job he does, he must be the best worker still of a job. And, uh, you know, besides that, uh, you know, it's a really good DVD. Match-wise, like, I just watched that world-class DVD, and it's got a lot of good matches on it. But, I mean, I, I agree with what Alex was saying, though. I mean, once you've seen – I mean, the Von Erickson Freebirds always had a good match, but, like, man, like, how many times can you really watch it? Mm-hmm. I have to agree. It's like they never – I only remember the one big angle they did with the Terry Gordy slamming the door and Gary Von Erickson's head. But other than that, I don't remember any other big angles that they really did, unlike when they did it in Mid-South, when they had in Mid-South uh, the Freebirds against Dr. Death and uh, Ted DiBiase, and then they threw Terry Taylor in there. Uh, Bill Watts was real good about doing follow-up angles, you know, to keep the feud going and keeping it hot. It kind oh, of absolutely. Seemed, I mean, I didn't watch too much. I didn't see World Class when it was coming on and stuff. I only know what I've seen on DVD, but, I mean, it seems like to me like World Class, like, they would do one hot angle and just follow, do follow-up matches for a couple of years down the line. And then I, I just don't see, you know, there's no reason really to keep me interested in the product. You know, like I, I saw the angle, it was good. And then, uh, 
It can't. It, it doesn't really hold me. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Uh, no, absolutely. I agree entirely. I think. Uh, I mean, you know, everybody's at least for world class wise. Everybody always says, you know, oh, first pushed his boys, first pushed his boys too much. Well, yeah, you know, he did push his boys, but I mean, look at those. Look at the way the crowd was always hot for the Von Erichs in particular. I mean, they. They were off the chain. They were like Hogan, you know, Madison Square Garden hot. It's just ridiculous. I mean, if you're going to push somebody, I mean, you're going to push your top stars who are the most over, and you're going to push people who aren't going to leave. Well, Fritz's sons weren't leaving anytime soon, you know. Well, I mean, you know, with the exception of the seven, eight, nine overdoses. But, you know, besides that way they left, you know, they weren't leaving the territory anytime soon. Uh, I apologize for my morbid sense of humor. Horrible. There, yeah, there was one of the few. There was one of the few acts that I saw in the territories that were able to stay hot by staying in one territory. The only other guy I can think of that did it was a Buddy Rose. But everyone else, they went from territory to territory, and they uh, some of the hills, like the Freebirds in particular, kind of went territory to territory, doing pretty much the same angles they had done before. But it was with a newer face, so it stayed kind of hot. Or they went to Georgia. I mean, I've seen a couple times now. Well, the Freebirds will go to a different territory, end up working with, you know, a Ted DiBiase or somebody. But uh, the Buddy Rose was a, a guy who stayed in Portland forever and uh, was always able to stay hot. You know, whether he uh, was a heel for the majority of his run or he even did a babyface run at one point that really got over. And then uh, I haven't really seen that too much. You know, Portland wrestling, definitely a very underrated territory. I mean, you know, a lot of the guys just kind of, you know, stayed there, didn't do much. You know, outside of Portland, but you know they were always they always had hot crowds. They always drew. I mean, you know, look at little territory. I mean, I recommend anybody out there if you've never seen Portland wrestling. I mean, don't expect this this huge super show or like the you know the super duper greatest talent in the world. But you know, it was always an entertaining show, and to me at least. And I mean, I've seen a good amount. I wouldn't say I've seen all that I would like to see, but you know, I, I do have a lot of wrestling to watch. So big up to Portland. Um, on the topic of mid south, I think. Uh, I, I gotta agree with you though on the uh, on the Bill Watts you know pushing himself thing. I mean, yeah, Bill Watts was you know he was legitimate as they say. He had credentials, but I mean the guy was like 55 years old at the time. I mean, you know at least when Vince McMahon is is in an angle, and I you know I don't have much good to say about Vince McMahon, but at least when he does his angles thing, he does his one match. He usually gets his ass kicked the whole match, and then you know he might cheat to win, or usually he loses. So I mean you know it's a little different than 65 year old Bill Watts parading around there and Terry Gordy has to back down from him. I mean it just to me that's stupid <laughs> i definitely thought it was stupid even though bill watts did have a baseball bat to his credit but i mean uh <laughs> the fact that Terry Gordy, who was a champ at the time had to back down to old man bill watts i mean it's saying that bill you know I, I imagine what bill would say well come here and fight me or whatever but i mean uh i yeah i just didn't like all that stuff too much but mid-south i mean that they, they had an awesome 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 run and uh Bob Barnett says a real, real good set of uh, Mid South stuff. Really good DVDs. And um, speaking of somebody who, and recently, who's a really good wrestler, but they don't let wrestle much in Ring of Honor, Larry Sweeney. Uh, I felt like Eddie Gilbert was in that kind of same role in Mid South. Like Eddie Gilbert was a great, great wrestler, um, and they, they didn't really feature him all that much as a wrestler in Mid South because of his size or whatever. But uh, I would like to have seen uh, Eddie Gilbert mix it up a lot more in Mid South. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I have a uh, 14 disc DVD set of Eddie Gilbert. He's one of my all-time favorites. He, him, guys like him and Law are guys who I patterned my wrestling style after. Because I mean, I just I see everything. So I see all this, you know, all these ridiculous flippiness all over the place, and I'm just like, you know, 
I don't. I know I'm never probably ever going to go to the Fed and whatever. That's cool. But you know, on the same token, I'd rather be able to walk fine in 50 years. I mean, if we're all getting that 20 dollar payday, why why am I killing myself when I can entertain the fans just as much by talking shit and putting a guy in a headlock? Just my opinion. But I mean, Eddie Gilbert was a master of that. Eddie Gilbert was yeah, definitely. Uh, I would suggest anybody go the other way and get some good Eddie Gilbert. And I mean, not not. I, I can't. I mean. Guys who like to do the the flipping around and stuff. I mean, I think it, I think it it, it has a place on some cards or whatever. But uh, I would like to see you know some of the guys you know be able to tell you know a better match you know and incorporate less of the flips. I think if you did less of the flips and worked a little bit more, then when you did finally do the flip, it would get over a lot lot more because it finally just gets to a point where you know like there's some matches in particular where someone will do just this ridiculous finisher. And the guy kicks out on two, and then um, it's just like, what are you going to do next? I mean, is, is it going to get to the point where eventually you just got to shoot the guy for the finish? I mean, that's the way I feel sometimes when I watch some of the modern wrestling today. Yeah, and not even just that, but like when they call their spots and do all those flippy things, if something gets messed up, they look like a deer in the headlights, and you just totally expose the business right there. I mean, if I if I you know if a guy gets flipped in a ropes and the guy goes. Hip toss, he doesn't hear him and says, what? You know what? If he comes over and he's not ready for the hip toss, bam, you throw up a back elbow, he takes a bump for it. You know, you throw up a clothesline, something. But, you know, if he's not there to catch you on your flip, you know, you just, you stand there looking like idiots. And, I mean, plus, I mean, yeah, I agree entirely with what you said. I mean, the best shoot interview I've ever seen is the bullpen shoot, and everybody's probably like, what? But trust me, it is, and everybody should go mm-hmm. see it. But, yeah, yeah, you know what I'm talking about, Zombie. It's the best one I've ever oh, yeah. seen. And he talks about it, and he's like, I saw some, he's talking about an IWA show, he's like, I saw some matches last night, they were absolutely incredible, but by the sixth or seventh flippy thing, the people just sat on their hands, and he's trying to give the guys advice and say, you know, oh, maybe, you know, next time, cut that in half, and you'll get a better reaction when you do your three. And uh, I think one of the guys in that card in particular was M-Dog 20, and I mean, I've seen M-Dog 20 for, God, about eight years now, and he really actually has toned the stuff down a lot, so that when he actually does it, he gets a lot of stuff, but a lot of these guys don't realize that. And I don't know. I mean, sure, it might get you a spot in the X Division, but, I mean, Mysterio was told by a doctor two years ago that he should never even wrestle again. And he, you know, he doesn't even do, you know, much of anything high-flying anymore. So, I mean, what, you know, what are guys like, you know, as I pull through a Chikara DVD here, what are guys like Ricochet going to do, you know? I mean, how many times can you throw a double moonsault before you blow your knee on? I mean, Shoot, Ricky Williams, NFL guy, who freaking, he's been out 18 times with a blown out knee or whatever ridiculous amount it is. So what, you know, what, you know, and he's just coming down on the field. What are you going to do when you're coming down 10 feet with, you know, that kind of torque on your body? You're just going to break yourself. And I hope a lot of guys listen and, and kind of clue into that. I mean, not that I'm some super worker with a, you know, genius mind for the business, but I just, I don't like to see my, my friends and my compatriots go, oh, you know, you know, I don't want to see him come limping into a show at 22 years old. And it's like, dude, what happened to you? Oh, well, you know, I did this dive last week, and now I can't feel my face. Oh, that's cool. I, I definitely, I definitely, definitely agree with that. It's, it's really, uh, I, I, I don't, I, I don't know what, I don't know what, when the business got like that. Like, uh, I grew up watching wrestling my entire, uh, pretty much my entire life, and um, I remember the time when guys actually used to go out there and wrestle, and then. Uh, it's like, you know, the guys that are wrestling today were, you know, they have a, a hand, I mean, at some point, you know, when one of the older guys, you know, they had a hand in their development, and I just don't know how the, I mean, like A.J. Styles, for example, 
he was trained by Rick Michaels, and I never saw Rick Michaels do any of the stuff AJ ever did, you know? Rick, and, um, Rick Michaels, by the way, side note, made my second pair of gear that I ever purchased. Just like to point that out right now. Thank you. Big up to Rick. <laughs> there you go. But I mean, yeah. uh, Rick Michaels was an amazing, amazing worker, you know? And then uh, I don't know Definitely. how he... I don't know how AJ Styles went from, you know, being trained with Rick to, you know, doing what he does now. When AJ's amazing, you know, what he does. But, I mean, I just don't understand well, where, you know. He's so toned it down, though. I mean, now, I mean, for a while, yeah, he was super flippy, high-spotty guy. But now he's, 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 I don't know, I mean, I try not to watch TNA if I, you know, unless I have really bad insomnia or I just want to be really confused. But, I, uh, you know, he's really relaxed the ridiculousness of, of the flippiness and, you know, he's actually a pretty good heel right now, in my opinion. You know, I like I like watching stuff, and I don't I don't know exactly what I'm going to expect like I used to. But I mean, you know, and there's a place for everything in wrestling. But I mean, you know, I mean, the Dragon Gate guys they do you know they do pretty well off doing that style. But again, they're doing tours where they're in front of fifteen hundred, thirty two hundred, forty five hundred people. They're making their livings off that. I mean, you can't. I hate to tell all you aspiring wrestlers out there that are listening, but there's a there's no money on the independence. There's none. I mean, your best friend on the independence is, is your pal Abe Lincoln, and that's you know that's not going to get you much come 2008. You know, that's like what a gallon and a half of gas, if that. Ridiculous. But you know, with that being said, I, I mean, I love wrestling. I wouldn't give give up you know this path for anything. I might have started earlier actually if I could have. But I mean, by the same token, I mean, I just keep going back to it. Guys, don't kill yourselves. You know, for twenty dollar payday. You know, do it when someone's watching. If someone's watching and you want to take that extra flippy risk, go for it, I say. But incorporate it into your match. Tell a story. You know, don't, you know, don't do seven moonsaults. Do three moonsaults. And then your next match, do two. And then maybe tease your moonsault a little bit so that, you know, when you actually hit it, it's like, bam. What do I know? I don't know. And then, uh, just to go on, on the point one more time, like I, I, I want to kill after this, but, uh, a lot of people, I think they uh, watch a lot of Japanese wrestling. They try to emulate what they see in the Japanese wrestling, but without thinking that uh, these guys in the dojos, like, they don't come out working that style when they first come out. They, uh, they, they learn for many, many, many months, or if not many, many years, of how to wrestle. And then when they become top guys is when they start doing the style that you see the main event top guys doing. And then I go to shows, and then I see guys on the undercard trying to pull out a Kobayashi match. And then it's just like, you know, Kobayashi trained for however long and then worked for however long before he was doing that stuff. And then and he lost guys, his first you know, 75 matches. Don't forget. He, he lost his first 75 matches just yes, so they could teach him how to be humble. And now look at him. And then uh, while these guys with, you know, five and less years in the business are trying to pull out a Kobayashi match, and then – I'm just like, guys, you know, I mean, Kobayashi didn't start out doing that. You know, he started out learning how to wrestle, and then when, you know, he was advanced, then he started doing, you know, what he does now. There's two points I'd like to make and add on to that with. Number one, there's a place on the card. Nobody, you should never go out there and half-ass it. But if you're opening match, you know, you shouldn't go out there and try and outshine outshine the money-drawing main event. If the match, if it's, a, you know, a money-drawing thing. Like, if there's a feud, say, you're working for an independent, runs twice a month, they've built up this thing, they're doing a cage match. Well, you don't go out there and, you know, ram the guy into the post and get color in the first match. You don't do 10,000 things. So you make their cage match, you know, stand out. I'm not saying go out there and just, you know, put a rest hold on a guy and let the people fall asleep, but know your spot on the card. And the second point I want to make about the Kobayashi thing 
is that if you watch his matches, sure, he does the whole, you know, strong style fighting spirit thing. Well, sorry, King's Road style um, fighting spirit thing. But by the same token, he sells and registers all that stuff so that when he does make that big no-sell comeback thing, the people buy into it. Guys, you know, in the Indies, they don't, they don't understand that whole premise of that. And, like, uh, if, watch... I love IW Mid-South, but watching IW Mid-South, strong style match. It's so bad. I mean, the guys are killing each other, but they're doing all the Hulk-ups and stuff, and I mean, just some of them. Not all of them, but some of them. Sometimes you just see these guys get hit with, like, everything. I, I mean, I saw a guy no-sell burning him on an IWA show. I was like, you got to be freaking kidding me. It's just they don't, you know, you got, and I'm guilty of it, too. I don't sell as much as I should. I'm sure I don't. I watch my matches, and I go, you suck. What were you thinking? You know, Why did you get up from that? so quickly, but, you know, you live and learn, and you get better as you time progress, but not guys, I mean, let's make it look real, but let's not, you know, let's not kill each other, and let's, when it looks real, let's make sure that the people know, and just, you know, sell, 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 I mean, God, you're, we're all, we're all pretty much in retail, we all gotta learn how to sell, thank you, it's fine, joke, good night, enjoy, <laughs> you're all week, tip the veal, try your waitress. I think selling is definitely a lost art in the business. Not only selling when a move's done to you, but selling when you're doing a move. I mean, uh, if you watch a lot of, that, I mean, again, I'll bring up some Japanese guys like Wada and Masawa. I mean, and and or I even bring up an American name, Randy Orton. Like Randy Orton, when I see him in the ring, like I believe everything that he does is because not only when he's you know getting uh, beaten up, but whenever he's beating up someone. Just the way he sells the moves, I mean, it's just it puts him on a level above everyone else that I've seen in, in that company. Well, I mean, obviously there's guys in the company better than him, but Randy Orton, I think, is definitely one of the top guys because he, his just selling when he's in the ring is so it's amazing. Uh, I mean, I'm not I'm not a huge Orton fan just because I think you know he's he his stuff is very his stuff is very formulaic, but I do think that Randy has really gotten a lot better. Um, he is looking quite well, though, I must say, nowadays. If, if anybody reads Figure 4, you'll get that joke. Um, but, God, I mean, if you see any Randy Orton in OVW, shit, he's 50 pounds bigger than he is now. He's, he's ripped to shreds. He's huge. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm not saying anything about what might have been in his coffee or what he might have done when he woke up before he worked out every morning, but, man, he was bigger as can be when he was there. So, you know, I mean, who knows, man? <laughs> But Randy, Randy has he has gotten a lot better. He, I mean, I used to just despise Randy Orton, but now I think you know he has improved a lot. Uh, at least you know for his role there, he doesn't you know he's not flashy too, which is which is cool. He doesn't do ten thousand things. He's got his he's got his moves and he does them and he does them well, and that's that's important to get your moves down. You know, like Raven once told me, pick like five signature moves that you might hit, you might not, and, and, and perfect those, perfect, you know, like me, I, I like to do, like, a Rude Awakening neckbreaker. so he's like, make it look good, so, you know, you're not just suddenly, like, pulling out this move you've never done before, just, you know, perfect it, and that's, you know, that's very important, and I think, you know, when you have 97 moves in your repertoire, and you're in there with a guy you've wrestled once before, and you start calling, and he's like, what, and then you pick him up, and who knows where we're going from there, so, I mean... You know, it can, it can be more basic than it is, and I would rather it was sometimes. And sometimes, you know, I mean, people mistake the pop for the move than the pop for them. Sure, how are you not going to pop for a freaking high spot? You're going to pop because it's cool as shit. It's cool, it's cool to watch a guy do 
a foot from, you know, the top rope. It is. I'm not going to deny it. It is. It's cool as hell. But by the same token, you know, by the eighth and tenth, you're like, okay, you're still going to pop. You're going to make some reaction, but it's not going to be as loud. I don't know. The way I've always explained it to people is, like, I've, I've only been uh, training for maybe about eight months. I've only got three matches under my belt. But uh, oftentimes the way I explain it to people is that if you see two guys fighting, legit fighting on the side of the road, you're going to pop and you're going to stop and stare. But, I mean, that's that's easy. That's almost like the easy way to, you know, you can, you can do something extremely, extremely flashy, and the people are going to pop. I mean, it's a given. But, I mean, it's, that, it's how to get people to pop when you're not even doing anything that I think has definitely become a lost art. At least where I'm at, I think it's become more and more of a lost art. And then, uh, where do you where do you train at, Alex? Uh, I train at the New Wave Pro Wrestling School in San Diego. Oh, okay. Who's uh, who does the the training there? Um, two local workers named uh, David E. Jones and Ryan Stone. Okay, okay, and and I mean, the one thing I I always say is, um, you know, I mean, you watch these guys wrestle. How how you you know are you entertained by what they do in the ring as uh, your trainers at least? Well, um, actually, when I first, uh, I, I might have told a story out here before, but uh, when I was first, I'm a member of the F4W Online website, and then when I oh, was yeah. thinking about, <laughs> and when I was thinking about getting it, uh, looking for a wrestling school, I mean, uh, I'm going to be honest, the only school in my area is the New Wave School, and then I asked Buddy Wayne, like, you know, what are some of the things I should look for, and they said, you know, see the guys work before you uh, give them any money, you know, because, you know, you'll, you might give them money and then see them work and think they're complete garbage. And uh, basically, uh, we took a road trip, six-hour road trip to Arizona. Um, this is like uh, my first month in training, and they asked me to go. Since I asked them that question, they were like, okay, fine. We'll let you see us work. You know, I want to uh, come with us to Arizona, and we're going to work a match. And then, um, you know, I, I had my uh, – I mean, I, I'm not going to admit they're not – they don't have WWE bodies. And then um, I, I, they are, they're very – they're uh, somewhat young in the business. Um, David E. Jones has been wrestling for seven years, and Ryan Stone's been working for five. And um, uh, they were like, come with us to Arizona and see us work. And they put them in there with two kids that had been wrestling maybe a year, I think. Uh, uh, and it was a tag team match. And the way they made these kids look, and, and mind you, they're heels. And then uh, the promoter, Navajo Warrior, asked them to come in and be faces. And they had never really Oh, Navajo Warrior anything. show? That's cool. Yeah, and they had never done the gimmick before as faces. And uh, they came over, and they got a huge pop. And they made those guys look like a million, million bucks. And, um, and in fact, uh, they're starting to get more and more bookings now. Like Jesse Hernandez just asked them to come back. And uh, the San Diego scene, it's kind of had its ups and downs and more so its downs. And so Angels Away haven't been booked as much as, you know, I think they should be. But, I mean, after I saw them work in Arizona, I was convinced that, you know, I mean, this is not a bad place for me to, you know, break in at. Uh, how, far away, how far away from UPW are you? Do they still run it all anymore? No, no, and in fact, the last room I heard is that uh, I think they do have a school, but I think they have a, a, a height and weight requirement now. But uh, stupid. Yeah, I'm, I don't know, but I mean, there's a lot of good schools in Los Angeles, and, uh, and, and another thing that really attracted me to the school is that they were really open. They were like, you know, because uh, David E. Jones was trained by Rick Grayson, which I don't know if you've ever uh, heard of Rick Grayson, but Rick Grayson's done a lot in this business, worked uh, almost every territory there was. And then uh, Ryan Stone was trained by Jesse Hernandez. And um, they were real open. They're like, look, you know, we are, you know, young in this business. And, you know, if you can have the opportunity to go out and train with anybody else, you know, as long as, you know, you remember where you came from, you remain loyal to us, that uh, 
you know, were fine and open to it. So I've had the opportunity. I've trained with Rick Grayson and uh, Black Pearl. I've trained with Rick Grayson twice, and I played. I trained with Black Pearl once, uh, who's Lakeisha's cousin. And then I've gone up uh, four or five times and trained with T.J. Perkins, who's just out of this world amazing. And then this April, uh, me and one of the other students are going up to Washington to train with Buddy Wayne, which is another thing. I mean, these guys are not just trying to steal your money. Because actually in April, I'm not even – I'm probably not even going to train with them that entire month, and I probably won't pay them that month. I mean, I'm, I'll be gone the entire month training with Buddy. And, I mean, they're completely, completely fine with it and open because, I mean, they're not there to hold you down. They're there to teach you what they know about the business. And then, you know, if you can learn more about the business, you know, then that's fine. I mean, because honestly, you're more of an asset to them on their shows because they also run shows. And you're more of an asset the more you learn. So, I mean, uh, I think it's definitely, definitely a good thing for San Diego to have them. And then uh, things are definitely looking up for New Wave. And then uh, I think they they might, uh, because I know Rick Grayson has wanted to come down to San Diego and, and uh, do some guest training sessions with us. And then I think we might have a couple more people doing guest training sessions. I would love, if Tracy Smothers would ever get out here, I would love to guest train under him. But, I mean, uh, definitely, I think, I mean, it's a new wave uh, promotion in school. It's, it's really in its infancy, and we're, I'm part of the first class. And um, I definitely think that, you know, the the room for this thing to grow was uh, very, very good. And then, um, I mean, it's all about, it's, I mean, uh, I think Brian Alvarez said it one time, you know, there's been a lot of good guys trained by real goofs and, there's been a lot of, you know, crappy guys that were trained by really great guys. So, I mean, it's not it's it's not what, you know, it's not who your trainers are necessarily, I don't think. It's what you make of it. Does that make any sense? Oh, oh yeah, yeah, wholeheartedly. I mean, the knowledge, then you're not going to learn it, you know? So, I, I mean, mean, I mean I look at – yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Look at the, look at Too Cold Scorpio, for example. He, he trained himself before he went to New Japan. Scorpio's awesome. I don't care what anybody says, and if you disagree with me, well, then, you know, I'll probably fist fight you about it, but Too Cold Scorpio is, is freaking fantastic, and, still, you know. Still. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, still. Ian, you know, it's, his, his style's evolved a little bit. He's gone to more of a stronger, quote-unquote, stronger style, um, but he flies when he needs to, and, you know, he's still solid. You still, you see him on the bill, you know what you're going to get. You're going to get at least 15 minutes of solid work. And Watch him and Loki from IWA. Oh, good stuff. It's, it's, it's Loki's best match, number one, that he's ever had. He's, he had to work as opposed to just kick people and, and stuff. And, you know, it's, it's Loki's best match. I mean, Scorpio is, is the perfect example of coming from nothing. And I don't, I, and I do, and let me, let me clarify, I don't endorse, you know, self-training at all. I think it's the worst thing, and I see way too many guys do it. But by the same token, back then, you know, it was a little harder to break in, and then he paid his dues. He went to the New Japan Dojo. He lived there. He worked there. You know, so he did, you know, get the proper stuff. But, you know, he's, you know, a shining example of, of how good you can do no matter who trains you. And by the same token, I mean, I mean, I can, I can think of guys personally I know that were trained by guys that have done, you know, have been in WWF that are just the drizzling shits. Like, I, yeah. Yeah, I don't want to tell that story. I still wrestle with that guy. He might be offended if he ever hears this. Uh, moving on. Next question, please. But um, <laughs> also another one of the trainers that uh, is at the New Wave School. I mean, a lot of – and then uh, there's a guy named SoCal Crazy who uh, also trains at the New Wave School, and I, he'll he'll get mad at me and, and chop me. But uh, I don't know how many years he's been in the business, but, I mean, why he's never gotten a break is something I don't understand. And then um, – um, 
Adam Pierce really put them over when um, they worked together. Like Adam Pierce was really, really. Uh, I've heard from some sources that uh, Adam Pierce was really, really happy with the match he just had with them. And Adam Pierce has worked everybody. And Adam Pierce, Adam Pierce really, really rules. With, Adam Pierce does rule. <laughs> and yes, Adam Pierce was really, really happy with the match he had with SoCal Crazy. And SoCal Crazy is really a undiscovered talent who I think is just phenomenal. And I'm. Uh, he, he trains at the New Wave School, too, and he brings a little bit more of the lucha aspect to it. But also, I mean, just, you know, the guy can just flat out go, you know. It doesn't matter if it's American or lucha. I know KZ's seen, I think, one match of uh, SoCal Crazy, and I don't, the, if it's from uh, the Superclass show, it wasn't even one of his better performances. But, I mean, SoCal Crazy, I mean, a lot of the guys that, you know, they might not have the big names, but, I mean, you know, some guys, I mean, they can teach you a lot of stuff, you know what I'm saying? Well, I mean, I was trained by uh, George South, uh, who, I mean, as many people know, was never uh, a mo- uh, you know a main eventer in wrestling, but he's wrestled everywhere. He's wrestled everybody. So, I mean, you know, he had such knowledge to impart on me that if I were to show up and listen uh, twice as much as I did, uh, I, uh, who knows, you know, how, much, how, how good I would be. Because, I mean, he would talk, and I was a stupid kid, and I wouldn't listen all the time. But, man, if I could go back, I would listen to everything he said because – he taught me a lot, but he could have taught me even more if I would have just listened. That's the thing that, you know, a lot of people think they know the business and they have no clue. They have no clue. And, you know, just listening to your trainer is, is the best thing you can do. Unless he's a complete wonk, as you said. Then, you know, don't listen to him and, and go to a, a good school. But, you know, I mean, because anybody who can get a building can run a wrestling school nowadays. And anybody who can get a ring can run a show. So uh, be careful with that because, you know, you might accidentally end up working for the wrong person. And, you know, you drive six hours and, you know, you were promised, you know, 50, 60 bucks and you show up and there's no show, which has happened to me before and it sucks. So that's all I can say is, is just pay attention to everybody out there. To When someone's trying to impart knowledge on you and they've done something with their lives and, you know, don't blow them off because that's, that's lame. Just pay attention because, you know. My best advice is just to listen to everybody because, I mean, even if the guy's blowing smoke up your ass, then, I mean, you can generally, I mean, I always ask my trainers, you know, you know, like, hey, you know, so-and-so said this, you know, how do you feel about this? And they'll give their opinion. But, I mean, a lot of guys, I mean, they have, uh, like, there's something like uh, when you are when when you have a guy in a headlock and he takes you to the ropes, like uh, some guys grab the ropes and some guys don't grab the ropes. And, I mean, there's something simple like that. I mean, like, everybody teaches it a little bit something different, you know. But, I mean, don't blow the guy off. Like, oh, fuck you, you know, I'll stop like this, you know. I mean, just listen to the guy. And, I mean, he has valid reasons. But, I mean, that's just with anything, though, you know. I, I mean, a lot of guys, I mean, they have a lot of stuff to teach you, you know. And just don't blow them off, you know. Hey, hey Zombie, this is your radio show. You want to talk at all? or? <laughs> uh, I'm just, uh, I'm listening. <laughs> Well, on that note, it is. Uh, I know for you guys it's 9 o'clock, but it is midnight here for me, and i got to work at 8 a.m. So it has been a pleasure, as always, being on the Rubble Guard, and I'm sure you'll hear my voice again sometime soon. Everybody out there, listen, iandaniels.net, go visit. i got new T-shirts made. They're awesome. They're not like my old ones. They're actually cool. So check it out. <laughs> All right, brother. All right, Zombie, Alex. on, Ian. Yep, have a great night, you guys. Take care. All right, brother. Bye-bye. All right, Alex, we're down to five minutes. Um, we're going to finish off the show with a song, so um, you can uh, go ahead and send out your plugs. All right, this Saturday at the Oceanside Boys and Girls Club in Oceanside, California, um, my friend Jeff, I, I rib him a lot and stuff, but uh, 
Jeff's a really good guy and runs a really good show. Um, definitely go check that out. And then March 15th, we got the New Way Pro Wrestling Show, www.newwayprowrestling.com. And uh, I think that's going to be a really, really good show. And then uh, and then my MySpace, www.myspace, backslash the insane, Abby as a friend. And then, uh, hey, support, uh, support your local wrestling team. And uh, that's about it. Cool. All right, Alex. Uh, we will talk to you next week. I'm going to do tomorrow's show solo. Um, have a very safe weekend, brother, and then enjoy Jeff's show. Uh, give him a couple birthday punches for me. <laughs> and uh, if I don't talk to you before next week, brother, you have a very safe weekend. Uh, you too, man. Thank you very much. All right, brother. All right, that was Alex St. Folks. Uh, we have a couple minutes remaining, so uh, I'm going to plug our MySpace, uh, myspace.com backslash rubberguardradio. Um, if you're a fan, uh, worker, referee, hell, you set up chairs, whatever, um, you know, send out a friend request, and I'll, I'll gladly, you know, grant, grant you, you know, that access. Um like to plug my sponsor once again, uh, WrestleWarehouse.com. Uh, they have masks, DVDs, uh, pictures, all kinds of swag, uh, good stuff. And uh, tell them that KZ from Rubber Guard Radio sent you. Um, SoCalProWrestling.com. Uh, if you're anywhere near San Diego, they're having that show this Saturday night. Uh, New Wave Pro Wrestling, uh, March 15th, which I will be down in San Diego for that show. I will be in the front row. Um, that will definitely be a fun show. Um, for all your wrestling news and needs, F4WOnline.com, $7.99 a month. Well worth it. Um, you give Brian Alvarez your money. Because uh, they have so much audio. I mean, just so much audio. I can barely listen to it all in a month. And uh, they have a newsletter out every Tuesday night late. Um also, WrestlingObserver.com, uh, and I can't forget, got to put my boy Thomas Sellies over, EliteProWrestling.com, uh, check out their Elite TV, it's up on every Friday night, uh, streams live on their, on their website. Um, we're going to be back tomorrow with a fully wacky independent show, so uh, before we head out, I'm going to play this song. And I will talk to you kids tomorrow. Medicine. 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 Faggot son of a bitch. You are fag, you are punk, little gay.
and also your clock seems to stick on 420, I have the radio show for you. It's called the Peace Pipe Hour with your host, Ben Jordan, and a friend of the show, Vito Thomason. You can find information about their show at www.intherotation.com, and they also stream live on Blog Talk Radio, blogtalkradio.com backslash retrojerk. Talk Radio. 